You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Friday, March 1st, 2024. I stumbled on the first because I didn't know it was the first or the second. I actually don't even really know what day it is right now, but it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter space. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. What's going on, everybody? I am Mike Heck. Hope you're all having a fantastic week. Getting ready to roll into the weekend. A lot going on this weekend in the world of combat sports. Today... I'm doing the program outdoors. I am out on my mother-in-law's balcony. As you guys heard on Tuesday, didn't do a show yesterday. We're moving. Process is a pain in the ass for anybody involved. Yesterday was just insane. Took forever for everything to go through. And it was just a lot of waiting for things to happen. And then... A whole bunch of problems with the internet being installed in the new house and stuff. It's just been a pain in the ass. So we are here uh, doing the show out on the balcony. Preview show will be done at my mother-in-law's as well. Tomorrow, I think I'm actually going to get like a hotel room for the night to be able to do the people's pre-fight show, the post-fight show, and all the work because of everything going on. Everything basically just got delayed like three or four days, which is a, a just a gigantic pain. But we are going to forge through, and we're going to get through this. Before we get to you guys, and before we get to all of the MMA news and notes, um, like I said, I'm outside, so if you hear like cars starting or birds singing or wind blowing or rain falling, that is why, and there's nothing I can really do about that. But I want to thank everybody for all the positive feedback from the big feature that dropped yesterday. It was a month of... Just crazy work putting that all together, 3,500 words, and not a very happy story to tell, not a very fun story to tell. Ashley Gambino has gone through so much. Her family has gone through so much over the last 18 or so months. To try to put all that into words was not easy to do, but we did it. Dropped yesterday. Podcast dropped yesterday morning. The feedback has been tremendous across the board, uh, and I really do appreciate that. Shout out to everyone who reached out. Shout out to anybody who read or listened to it. Honestly, like I don't like to put myself over too much. Uh, I think the podcast is one of the – it might be the best thing I've ever done in this space, putting that all together. Um, there is no producer. I did – I put all that together myself, um, all the music the audio, the transitions, the interview, all of that stuff. Um, that was all me from an audio production side. So that shit ain't easy to do. And we got it done. I was very proud of that. I think it's the only thing I've done in the last year that I've actually gone back and re-listened to. So yeah, I was very proud of that. And I was also proud to find out, well, Ashley loved it. She was very thankful for that piece coming out the way that it came out because she had no idea. It's not like I sent her a copy ahead of time. It just came out and 
she was like, holy shit, this is unbelievable. But on top of that, I looked on her GoFundMe page and I haven't looked today, but I looked last night. She had like 17 or 18 extra donations that came in yesterday. And this was probably by like 5 p.m. Eastern yesterday. So for something that dropped at like 10, for people to be like, whoa, look at this story. And they donated, whether it's a dollar, $5. I saw someone donate $125 to her. Uh, it's incredible. It really is incredible. And we posted the video of Liver King putting it over the top. A lot of people asked. They thought it was fake. Uh, those, that was the only thing that annoyed me yesterday. I can tell you that was not planned. I had no idea that was coming. The only reason this story was told to begin with was because Liver King wanted it told. And it was nothing to do with that. She just wanted her story told. And he didn't even necessarily volunteer to be a part of it. I asked for him to be a part of it because when it, when it was reached out to me to begin with, it was because he reached out to Mike Goldberg, who does PR for MVP, Jake Paul's boxing company. That's where I met Mike. And he put this on my radar because Liver King asked him to find somebody to tell the story. So he, he basically just wanted the story told. He didn't really want to be a part of it. I asked for him to be a part of it because I thought it was so freaking random that Liver King is a part of this. I want to know how he became part of it, how it got on his radar. And then at the end of the interview we did, he paid off the rest of her GoFundMe, which is incredible. And I understand he's a polarizing guy. And I understand he gets hate. I'm sure he understands it as well. But for anybody who thinks that that was staged or that was set up or anything of that nature, that is absolutely not true. For anyone who thinks that Liver King set this all up so that he could have a good PR moment, again, not the case. Because I asked for him to be a part of it, not him. He just wanted the story told. He wanted the MMA community to hear more about what she is going through. And he wanted this story out more than anybody else in the world. Like literally anybody else in the world. So I think he did a great thing here. I understand why people don't like him. I get it, but this was not a staged thing. Go look at my reaction on the Twitter video released yesterday on MMA Fighting. Like that was a real reaction. I had no clue I was coming. In fact, Mike Goldberg, the PR guy who set this up, was also on the call. He had the same reaction. He didn't know that was coming either. We didn't release him because people would have been like, oh, who the hell is this guy? But that was all legit. That was all real. And there you go. And I'm going to say something here that I, I don't say all that often. Because there are a lot of people out there who say that I'm a UFC hater, that I am a Dana White hater, uh, which I think all of you in here know that that is not the case. I just cover the sport right down the middle. If you do good things, you get good things said about you. If you do bad things, you get bad things said about you. I'm going to put the UFC and Dana White over big time here because I saw a lot of people on Instagram being like, Dana, you should do something here. Dana did do something. They're going to UFC 299 in Miami. He's putting that all together for her and her husband. Liver King kind of put it on his radar and he basically said, bet, whatever one she wants to go to. Liver King said she wants to go to 299 and they said, yeah. The UFC did it for her. So this is a great thing. Shout out to Dana. Shout out to the UFC and shout out to all of you. Okay, let's get into this. It's Friday. We got a lot going on tomorrow. The UFC back at the world's most famous Apex. 11 spectacular fights with a main event that nobody asked for, but I think will actually still be fun. Jarzina Rosenstrike versus Shamil Gadziev. The main card is really good. Like, I know the main event isn't spectacular because we got heavyweights, but this fight probably ends pretty quickly. Vitor Petrino versus Tyson Pedro is going to be a banger. Mohamed Mikhaev might be getting a title shot if he beats Alex Perez. We got Umar Nurmagomedov back against Bexad Almakan, who is a friggin' animal. And Matt Chanel versus Steve Ursig is a big fight. Like, this is a pretty good main card. I know people are kind of dumping on the main event, but this isn't that bad. It really isn't. So we got that. Jake Paul is boxing tomorrow. Amanda Serrano is boxing tomorrow. And we also have Gamebred Bare Knuckle MMA going down tomorrow as well. So it's going to be a very busy day in the combat sports world. It's going to be a very busy day on this program. So with that said, let's do it. CV, first in line. Let's go. What's up, CV? What's up, Mike? Can you hear me? I can. 
Hey man, happy Friday. Um, you're the real MVP for doing a heck of a morning while you're in the process of moving. So uh, shout outs to you. Um, I want to ask about um, the pay-per-view next week. Um, I can't wait, man. Um, obviously, the main event's going to be fire, but um, I'm really intrigued by the co-main event, uh, Dustin Poirier versus Benoit Saint-Denis. Uh, I just wanted you to talk about the stakes of the fight, because um, if Poirier wins, could he realistically get like the next title shot? Just because um, UFC 300 is uh, just over a month. Can you believe it? Um, we have Oliveira versus Sarukian and Gaethje versus Holloway. And I really think all those four fighters involved are going to get damaged in some sort of way. Like, I don't think they can make a turnaround to fight in the summer. Uh, but who knows? And if Benoit Saint-Denis, like, has an impressive, like, performance against, against Poirier or even a finish, like, does he jump the line to get the title shot against Islam? Um, just your thoughts on that. Thanks. Uh, thank you very much. Um, I'm going to try to... Let me see if I can do something here. I'm trying to see if I can uh trying to see if I can break some news here. Um nothing like major. I think it's kind of fun since we're talking about UFC two ninety-nine. Um but yeah. Dude, 299's great. Uh, a lot of people ask if it's better than 300. Guys, it's not. It's really, really good. It's not better than 300. 300 is ridiculous. And I understand Sean O'Malley is a little bit more juiced. Sean O'Malley, Marlon Vera may have a little bit more juice than Alex Pereira versus Jamal Hill, but come on. UFC 300 is a better lineup start to finish than 299, but 299 is, is damn good. And this is... Uh, this is not an indictment on 299 because this is an incredible card. Dustin Poirier versus Benoit Saint-Denis is a big reason why I love this card so much. That fight rules. I love it so much. The stakes here are really interesting. I think the stakes are higher for Dustin Poirier. In my, in my humble opinion, because he is over and people know who he is. He's a star. Benoit Saint-Denis... Even if he goes out there and dusts up Dustin Poirier, I think a lot of people, especially like on this show and other shows, have like put him over as like the next big thing. But he's also not like a very known commodity. And if he beats Dustin Poirier, a lot of people feel like that's like they expect that to happen anyways. So will he become a giant star off of this win? I don't think so. I think he'll get on more radars and then what he gets next will kind of put him over the hump. If Dustin wins, he is 1,000% in the mix. Does it get him a title shot? I don't know. But is he in the conversation if he beats Benoit Santini? You bet your ass he is. And the reason is what I just said. He is a star. People know who he is. And if they booked his on Makachev versus Dustin Poirier for the lightweight title, people are going to buy that shit. They're going to buy it. Also, like if everything was even, let's just say they were doing this in like, the, the UFC announced tomorrow. Islam Makachev is fighting in November at Madison Square Garden. He won't fight any sooner. He's fighting on this card. The next two months will decide who he's fighting. Then I would not be as confident in this. But I think Islam's going to come back sooner than that. We might see him International Fight Week. We might see him in Saudi Arabia. We might see him in July. So the correct answer is we look at what's available and as I say on the show all, all the time, especially at the top of these divisions, especially with this UFC schedule as it is right now, meritocracy be damned, your best friend is availability. And if Dustin Poirier beats Benoit Saint-Denis and Makachev wants to fight in June and he is available and he is the only one available, guess who's getting the title fight? It's going to be Dustin Poirier. So he definitely puts himself in the conversation. I don't know if Saint-Denis gets that same bump. I don't, but we'll see. I mean, we got Matush Gamrat fighting next week, too, against Rafael Dos Anjos. I know it's not, you know, the same sexy matchup, but Matush Gamrat was just the backup fighter for Makachev's most recent title defense. So there's a lot that can happen here, but it, my answer is if you win, you're in the discussion. If you're available, if you're the most available, you're getting the fight. So it is imperative that Dustin Poirier wins this fight. I don't know if Santini gets is in the same position. 
but it could be. But that's where I'm at right now. I have no idea how this is all going to work, and someone's going to get kind of screwed here. Um, at least that's going to be the the reaction to all of this. Is even if someone has like the best performance of all, that may not matter in the end. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, trying to get DC bets in here. Oh, where we're getting the Wheel of Doom. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, got you, got you, got you. Yeah, you got me? Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, thanks for taking it. Um, so for uh, Free For All Friday, I just wanted to ask, um, I thought about this a couple of weeks ago, but um, so do you think everybody would be uh, be fine with the Apex cards if um, if the UFC ended up making like a kind of like a mega Apex or like a mini little stadium, just like that one card with... Um, who was it, Jan and Sanhagen? I think the one with, uh, you know, it had like only 2,000 seats or something like that. Do you think if, if they built their own little, like, you know, bigger apex, like a little mini stadium, and actually let the public in for, you know, not super ridiculous prices and just made it kind of like those Las Vegas fight nights um, at the apex, you know, do you think people would be fine with the apex then and then the apex can strictly only be for the contender series and tough and road to ufc and all that crap um so that's my first one and then um uh, i'm trying to remember what the other question i was going to ask um oh uh dude can we can we think of another card i i couldn't really think of a card so maybe if uh, if you can where the the main event is is like literally the worst fight on the main card because I was looking over the the card yesterday too and uh, the main card is actually really good and if Roja um, Raul Rojas Jr. and um, Tercios would have been rescheduled on it um, you know it would have it would have actually been a really really good card you know they would have really helped it out a lot um, so yeah just those two things and then if you have any update on the Rojas fight it it doesn't look like it's going on this card so. If you know anything, if they're going to send them to uh, Miami. Thank you, Mike. Have a heck of a morning. Be safe uh, moving. Thanks, buddy. The Roses thing, I have no idea. I assume they're just going to try to bump up something. I, I don't know if they're going to just go back to the Apex at some point because they have 299, but then there's, I think, back-to-back Apex shows right after that. So they could just kind of slot it in there. Ricky Tercios might just be like, nah, dude. Like, I gave, like, I understand where Ricky's coming from. Like, I really do. Like, you can't really truly blame. Ro- I mean, Rosa got sick, so I'm not going to, like, blame him. But Tercios was, like, prepared to fight this dude. And then, like, five minutes before he about to- is about to fight him, he's told the fight's not happening. So, yes, he's 1,000% frustrated there. And I totally understand that. But it's you can't really blame Rosas for that. Then, the UFC just announces that this fight is happening on this card on Saturday when it wasn't. Again, this is the thing. This is another example of fights getting announced before they're done. No contract was signed. Ricky Tercios hadn't even agreed to it, but it was announced on the, or at, on the, I don't know if it was on the broadcast. I think, I think Brennan Fitzgerald might've said the plan is uh, we're hoping that it gets pushed back. And I think Dana went to the press conference and said, yes, that fight's happening next Saturday, when in reality, it wasn't. 
It wasn't. I had found out, I want to say it was Monday, because I think I mentioned this on the show Tuesday, or maybe it was on BTL. Either way, I was told that, okay, it looks like the fight's going to happen. Agreements are in place. We're going to do it at 145. Won't be a catchway. It's going to be a featherweight fight. And I was like, okay. And then we tried to reach out and figure out what was going on the other side. Got no response. And then we were told that the I think it was later on Tuesday, I get a text from somebody who obviously knows the answer to this question. And I was told the fight's not happening. Not happening. Not going down. Ricky Tercios, I think, went on Twitter and kind of gave his rationale. He said he was ready to go at 145. Fight didn't happen. He's not wrong about that from everything that I've been told. So are they going to rebook it? Not sure. Will Ricky Tercios be interested in rebooking it? Again, not sure. So not really sure what's going on there. I mean, Jesus. The other questions, the... Can you remember a car where the main event was the worst fight of the car? Dude, just go back through the apex. There's a whole friggin' bunch of them. There's a whole bunch of them. I, I like if we're gonna talk pay-per-view, and look, I'm not I'm not trying to be a I'm not trying to be a prick here, but uh, let's just let's just be completely honest here. UFC 289 in June. The main event was Amanda Nunes versus Irene Aldana. That was the main event. And look, there was some story there. Like, is it going to be Nunez's last fight? Is Rainey Aldana like the one? Like, could she do it? And there were people talking about that. But everybody was excited for Charles Oliveira versus Benil Dariush. Like, that was, in everybody's mind, that was the main event. And the rest of the card was like, you know, not super duper stacked, but it was still pretty solid. Like, you look at that card and look at the people who are on it, you were like, okay. I don't know if I want to spend 80 bucks on it, but if I do, like, I think it's going to be pretty fun. And it turned out that that was the case, but that one comes to mind for like bigger events, but there's a lot of apex guards where we're like, man, it's not bad, but the main events kind of, eh, it is what it is. And then the first question, like, will we care? The apex thing, like, look, if they could somehow put 500 people in the apex, or even like 300 people in the apex. Like that would be fun. I'd be okay. Like I'd be much more okay with it. The problem, like if you want to go to an apex event, go, like, go look at the ticket prices, go look at them, see what it is. Now you get a whole bunch of stuff. I think you get like red carpet arrivals. You get people like serving you shit. There's other things. I think you probably get some, like some other perks, but it is expensive expensive to go to an apex card like really expensive so maybe put some seats in because like even with the content like the contender series cards yeah we're not it's not madison square garden it's not paris but at least there's a little more buzz in there you feel a little bit better about things like there's people clapping and yelling and screaming they're cheering on their fellow fighter you don't just hear the coaches yelling in the corner or people yelling at paul felder for shit like, people are into the fights. It's just a whole different vibe. You just need the energy. You just need some crowd noise. Like, it just gets super quiet in there. It just it just drains you. And it ain't going anywhere. Like, I understand that. But, like, you know, pop, pop a couple hundred seats in there. Like, don't make the tickets like a thousand, $500, $1,000 or whatever it is. And they're more expensive for the bigger fights. Like, the Holloway, like, Holloway's main event in there and... Um, like Rose Nami Yunus, uh, Amanda Hebos is a little more expensive than this one per se. So, I mean, just the crowd would make it better. And then the cards just need to be better. This one, like, again, this one is pretty decent and it's the right amount of fights. Like it's 11 fights. We're right in the sweet spot. If we can keep them at 10, I think we're, I think we're on to something. 10 fights, nice and tight. I think you're okay. When we're popping 15 freaking fights out there at 7 p.m. Eastern prelims, 10 p.m. main card, like those are just the groaners. You're like, ugh, this is just too much. But right, but this card, like I got to tell you, 1.30 p.m. Eastern prelims, 4 p.m. Eastern main card, 
Like this is tremendous. These Apex cards should never start any later than 4 p.m. Eastern. 1 p.m. is is exceptional, or 1:30 in this case, exceptional. And 11 fights, like this is excellent stuff. Do more of this. Nice, tight, 10, 11 fights. Don't do them super late at night. And, like, let's put interesting matchups on there. A lot of times you don't get this. This card is not that, is, is pretty decent. It's just people shitting on the main event. But, like I said, we ain't going anywhere, people. We're going to be at the Apex for a hot minute. At least until this new TV deal comes in. And even then, I still think they're going to stay there for a hot, for a little while. And why wouldn't they? They're making a shitload of money being at the Apex. Viking, go ahead. Hello. Hello. Hello, Michael. How are you? I'm fine. Uh, I just don't. I just don't know about what, what, what you have done for that girl. I couldn't see the video because I'm so much busy right now. Really sorry about that. And I just, I just followed Jade. I just followed Jared this time for this time I seriously followed him. I'm not going to unfollow him. And I just saw some pictures of his, he's with his family and God, they all look like, look like same. I mean, they all look like same. And who is the, who is the guy with the white beard? Uh, is that Jade's dad or or his uncle? I have no and idea. He's in every picture Jade has uploaded with his family. So I just don't know. And the BTL has happened Tuesday. So are you going to host BTL again tonight or not? That's all. Thanks a lot. Thanks, bud. Um, no, we did BTL Tuesday this week for the same reason why we didn't have a show yesterday. Uh, yesterday we're moving, or at least trying to move. We didn't get a lot done because we didn't get the keys to the freaking house till like almost five o'clock, which is never fun. So, yeah, that's why BTL is on Tuesday. We swapped it up. Next week will be Thursday. We'll do it again. Um, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. There may be like a more formal announcement coming up on the MMA hour or something like that, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Um, if you guys are fans of the watch party, then we got something for you because this is how my Thursday is going to go next week. I'm going to do this show and I'm going to do BTL. And I'm going to pick my kid up from school, probably. Uh, and I'm going to bring him to either his mother-in-law's or to my wife at work. And then I'm hopping on a plane Thursday night. Because we're going to do two watch parties next week. We're going to do back-to-back. Friday for Francis Ngannou versus Anthony Joshua. And then Saturday, we come back and we do it again for UFC 299. So little double header for you next week. So two watch parties for the price of one. There you go. Been holding on to that one for a minute, but it's happening. And there may be something more formal announced in the MA hour, but it's happening. It's official. So I'll go ahead and release it to all you wonderful people here because you're here live. So that's happening. So get excited. GC and I are going to talk a lot next week. And it's going to be a good time. Probably play some darts. Friday one's going to be a little interesting because I don't know how it's going to play out. We'll probably go live. I think the plan is to go live at 4 p.m. Eastern for the co-main event, the Zhang fight. And then obviously we'll go straight through the Joshua and Ganu fight as well. But we'll play some darts. We'll do some games. We'll do some fun stuff. And then 299 will just be the normal absolute chaos from start to finish because we know how it's going to go. So fight's going to end. Maybe a Hall of Fame announcement. Next fight, next fight, next fight. Maybe rip some packs. But Friday, we're going as well. And it's going to be awesome. So I hope to see you all there at 4 p.m. Eastern next Friday. At least that's the plan as of right this second. 
Let's go to Four Corner Sports. Go ahead, Four Corner Sports. Hey, so on the post-fight show, I, I I don't think you were on it, but uh, I remember I think it was Shahino Al-Shadi ended up saying that the UFC 300 watch party is going to be from from the curtain jerker all the way to the main event. I don't know if you can uh, confirm or deny that. Um, but I did want to talk about... Um, I, I saw something on uh, on Twitter that... Um, Herb Dean ended up giving a red card resulting in disqualification for due to inactivity. Um, do you ever see that the UFC, and that was for uh, a one card, I think it was 166. Um, do you ever see what's it called, the UFC ever, you know, resulting into that pattern, um, you know, some sometime down the line? Just because it was pretty odd to see um, her being very aggressive in the main event between... Um, between uh, Moreno and Voigo in round five, especially, you know, yelling at uh, Moreno, telling him to hurry up, you know, work. If not, I'm, I'm going to separate you guys. Um, usually, I, I feel like he gives them a little bit more leeway, but, like, in that round five in particular, I felt like um, he was, uh, you know, pushing it to the extreme. I don't know uh, how you feel about that. And... Uh, yeah, I have a feeling that Raul Rosas Jr. is, is going to end up fighting on that empty slot that uh, Dino Keith, I'm talking about, that he has one more fight to make for UFC 300. I mean, I feel like Ricky Tercios, um, with the way that he um, handled everything, um, I feel like they're going to pop the UFC and, and Raul Rosas Jr. might go in a different direction. And I feel like the UFC is obviously in, in a manner of trying to push Raul Rosas Jr. in big events. And I feel like what bigger event than UFC 300 and have them, you know, in the prelims. And then lastly, like, the last thing I wanted to talk about was the, the Muhammad Mahayev fight versus Alex Perez. If Muhammad Mahayev, um lose, right, because Alex Perez is a get or get type of guy, and Muhammad Mahayev isn't the type of person to in, initiate, initiate, like, so much type of uh, damage, right? And if he somehow was to lose, like, what do you feel like the UFC w- would try to, you know, go with the whole Pantosha, you know, title fight that he's supposed to be um, fighting in 301. That's all I got. Thanks, Mike. Uh, a lot to unpack there. Uh, first question, will, are we doing UFC 300 watch party, bell to bell? Yes, that is the plan. Uh, are we doing it in New York? TBD. And I'll leave it at that for now. We, we, we're trying to plan something pretty freaking cool for UFC 300. Whether it happens or not, uh, up in the air. But could happen in New York, could happen elsewhere. We don't know yet. So, But we are going to do the entire card from fight one to fight 12 or whoever, however it works out uh, for 300. It won't be a regular thing, but it will be a 300 thing. And probably be a 400 thing and a 500 thing if we're still doing them back then. So that'll be fun. That is true. That is going to happen. The Herb Dean stuff, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like, I feel like the nickname I've given Herb is like the perfect one. It's Hokey Pokey Herb, where it's either short term, where he's trying to like decide whether or not he wants to do a stoppage, put the left foot in. Now I'll take the left foot out. Now the left foot's back in. And then I'm shaking it all about. And then I stop the fight. But it's also like the wave of how he refs, where it's like, okay, Herb's best referee in the game right now, and he's showing it. And then, like, two weeks later, it's like, what is he doing? And it's just a roller coaster ride with Herb. I know there's some weird shit happening on this one card. I guess there's been a bunch of DQs. Jared Brooks thought he got a TKO win, but ends up getting disqualified and losing his title after just putting an absolute whooping on his opponent. It's just been a super weird card. Uh, I think our own Guillermo Cruz is, is actually covering that one for us right now. So I haven't really seen anything of it. I just going by what I see in the Slack channels. And then, God, the Mikhaev. Mikhaev loses? Jesus, they're in trouble. <laughs> they're in trouble if he loses, man. I mean, do you just give Alex Perez the title shot? Like, you might just have to if he can turn around. I, I honestly don't know. You could just, I guess you just pull a nickel again. Much like we talked about with the lightweight situation, availability is going to be somebody's best friend right now. And it's just going to be a matter of like, okay, who's available to fight? And then we go from there. I just, I don't know, man. 
It's a tough spot to be in. You could go, you could go Nicolau because he did make weight for the Manel Cop fight. He did lose prior and has some losses and some stoppage losses, but he made weight. Manel Cop did not make weight. I'd love to see Manel Cop fight for the belt. All you do is make weight. All you had to do is make weight. Amir Albazi, you could sneak in there, but like, let's be honest, nobody cares. And not a lot of people thought he beat Kai Kara France to begin with. Him getting hurt for the Moreno fight, like, screwed up everything. Like, that screwed up everything. But now we're here. But I guess Perez gets it. Maybe Matt Schnell gets it if he wins against Steve Ursag. It's a weird situation. That event is uh there. I don't know what they're gonna do. I don't know what they're gonna do. They'll find somebody, but it probably won't be like the most ideal situation. I don't think any of these choices are ideal. Like Mikhaev is like cool. Like if he goes out there and beats Alex Perez, which I expect him to do, getting him in there and fighting for a belt this early is is fun. But it's too soon for me. It's an interesting fight, but, like, imagine this fight, like, in two years. Then it's like, okay, let's go. So this, I mean, it's going to be, this is a big event for the flyweight division. Someone could emerge as the next guy, whether from that fight or the other fight. Between the ranked flyweights. So a lot going on here. It's going to be fun. Who is Pantoja going to fight? It's the new what's going to main event UFC 300 question. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Big Mike, what's going on, man? What's up, brother? Congrats on the crib, man. Thanks, buddy. Um, all right, so I don't know if you saw the interview with Khabib. I think it was released today um, when they were just asking him um, about the fight with Justin Gaethje and Max Holloway, and he was saying he didn't understand that fight um, and that the Justin Gaethje and Islam fight would make more sense. I uh, just want to get your opinion on that. And then one other one. Um, I don't know if you heard about the UFC signing the six foot seven Olympian. I think his name is Robles Despane. Like I think his four second KO went viral, and I think he's Cuban. But um, I just wanted to get your opinion on this guy because this dude six seven is huge. Um, so just wanted to get your opinion on that. Appreciate you, man. Thanks, buddy. Um, I saw the Habib thing came out. Um, not really. Sh- let me pull it up real quick. I mean, he's he's not wrong that, like, Gaethje Holloway doesn't make any sense. Because it doesn't. It's just dumb. Like, it's a fun-ass fight. Um, it's just fun. Let me see what he ends up saying here. Let me get the context. Oh, prick. Try to get some context here. Uh, let's see. All respect for Max, but I don't know. I don't understand why the UFC makes this fight. Justin Gaethje versus Max Holloway makes no sense. My opinion, Holloway's supposed to fight Taporia next, maybe September. Gaethje's supposed to fight with Islam May or June. Sarukin versus Oliveira. They fight in April. Where wins that? Should be fighting the winner of Islam versus Gaethje. Now Taporia will fight with who? Mozar is the best option. I don't know if Dana White will give him a shot. My opinion, he deserves it. I don't understand. It makes no sense. Why don't they give Islam a fight with Gaethje? why they make him fight Holloway. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, he couldn't have said it any better. Couldn't have said it any better. I mean, this is just where we're at right now, guys. 300 took on a life of its own because of the over-promising. Our expectations were, like, most of the MA community's expectations for 300 were too high to begin with because we thought, oh, it's 100 and 200. Like, let's just do that. And just those fights weren't available. And then not putting Connor on that card just off Jump Street made no sense. And they just had nothing ready to go. All the time, like, I just think back at all the times Dana was asked about 300 at the tail end of 2023. And his answer was, I'm not even thinking about 300 right now. Why? Why are you not thinking about 300 right now? Like, you should have been thinking about that a year ago. You should have thought about that when you announced the Ultimate Fighter coaches. You should have been like, hey, these guys are fighting at UFC 300 in 16 months. Can you imagine that? Like, that would be freaking cool if they did that. But they didn't. 
And now we were just left to scramble and try to put some shit together. And I love Gaethje Holloway. As on to the next one, listeners over the years know, this is my dream fight. This is the one I have to see at some point. But the timing of it just sucks. It just sucks. So I still love the fight. It could get real interesting. I mean, dude, if Max Holloway beats Justin Gaethje, like he's fighting for the lightweight title. And I would watch the hell out of Max Holloway versus Islam Makachev. I would. But, yeah, Habib's not wrong. He's not wrong. I forget the other question, but uh, as I usually do, I will think of it during another question. Or if someone wants to remind me, that would be wonderful. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Absolutely. Good morning, Mark. Heck of morning. I have a few questions. Firstly, uh, what should what should be next for Bryce Mitchell? I think he's in a really tough and weird spot right now. I still think he has a very promising career ahead of him. But do you think he may have possibly resorted himself to being a gatekeeper for the featherweight division, or could he still become a title contender one day? Uh, another question I have is, um, do you think Paulo Costa fights at U- uh, UFC 301? And my final question is, uh, which who do you most likely see headlining International Fight Week? That's all I have. Have a great day. Who? What's next for Bryce Mitchell? I don't know. He's an interesting case, right? Like, and let's be clear. If you go back to the archives of my pro of programs we've done, um, Bryce is a very, is a talented guy. No doubt about it. But I always question people being like, oh, this dude's going to fight for the belt clearly. And he's going to win a title. And I just never, I've never gotten there with Bryce uh, and still haven't, if we're being honest. He's still very good. He is very good at grappling. But, I mean, you beat a guy who can grapple and strike. Like, you throw him in there with a guy who can grapple and strike, he's going to lose more oftentimes than not. And we saw it in the, like, we saw it with Ilya Taporia. Like, he can say he's sick or whatever. Like, Ilya wins that fight 10 out of 10 times, in my opinion. Like, I think he'd struggle with Calvin Cater. He got knocked dead by Josh Emmett. I think he'd struggle with Honor Lallon. He would struggle big time with Mavzar Avloyev because Mavzar can grapple just probably better than he can, and he can hit really, really hard. I don't think he's, like, really a gatekeeper. I just think he's, like, a good fighter. He's got a little bit of a name. He obviously drums up a lot of attention. So, I mean, maybe he's just, like, a fun litmus test if you need something. So I guess technically, like, some sort of a gatekeeper role. Like, give him – I'll tell you what, man. If Diego Lopez beats Sadiq Yusuf at 300, give him Diego Lopez. Although I did call for that on on to the next one, that uh, the winner of that fight's Dan Ige. But if something like that, Lerone Murphy would be good. Lerone Murphy. Let's do Lerone Murphy versus Bryce Mitchell. Let's do that. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Will Paul Costa fight a 301? Probably not, but maybe. They might, I don't know. They might do that. They have to boost, they're going to have to boost that card up big time. My my thought is the UFC is very hopeful that Jailton Almeida runs over Curtis Blades next week and does it with very little effort. And no damage taken. Because I think what they'll try to do 
if Almeida wins that fight, they'll do him versus Tom Aspin- Tom Aspinall's first title defense. Do it against Jailton. Let's just do that. Like, that's fine. That'd be a pretty good main event. Tom's getting over. Jailton doing it in Brazil. Why the hell not? Why the hell not? But if either that fight's a war or Curtis wins... Like, maybe you try to get Costa on there to boost it. Who do you throw him in there with? I don't think... Um, I mean, they could do Usman. I know he's been calling for that. Don't love that fight. Could do Hamza, but Hamza probably ain't going to Brazil. You probably just save that for Saudi or somewhere else. So maybe you try to get him on there just to kind of, like, boost the card up a little bit. But I'll say... I'll say he won't fight on 301. And then what's going to headline International Fight Week? I... From all the conversations I've had, and I know the UFC has yet to acknowledge this, but I still feel I still feel confident enough to feel like Connor and Chandler is going to headline that card. But I mean, I'm not the only one saying that. I know the UFC wants to control the narrative with this, and Dana wants to be the one to announce it, and that's fine. But. There's smoke to that fire. There's no way Connor's just making up June 29th out of all random dates. That is what, and they even announced it. June 29th, the International Fight Week card. You think Connor just pulled that date out of his ass? I think Michael Chandler is going to be like, yeah, man, we're fighting June 29th without like having the conversations first. I think that's the fight. I think that's what we get. All right, so we got four. I'm going to go to TAC. Then we got four on Sniper. We got Barbarossa. And then we get the MMA consultants. So I'm going to go through all four of you. Uh, we'll get all four of you guys on. And then I got to go. We do have a preview show coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern to get you ready for UFC Vegas 87. So let's try to attack in here. Hopefully the Wheel of Doom subsides. I think it has. Uh, no, it hasn't. Tack, you're not connecting. So bounce out and bounce back in. Oh, wait a minute. There I am. Warren Sniper, mute yourself. Oh, I hear Tack. Uh, you want me to go ahead? No, mute yourself, Warren Sniper. I'll okay. stay on the line. Tack, go first. Tack, go ahead. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Good, man. Um, So, uh, you brought up 289 earlier, and I got to tell you, I went to that card, and it was terrible. Now, you had the most legendary female fighter retire. Nothing's done. And we went to 290 the next month. And Robbie Lauer retires. And what they did for him was one of the greatest moments like at a live event I've ever gone to. I don't know why they don't do more of that stuff. But anyways, that's not my question. That's just a comment. But earlier there was a caller that brought up uh, that card they did last March. Uh, he said it was Jan versus Sandhagen. It was Jan versus Marab in that, you know, that 2,000 seat um, uh, venue. And... Why don't they do more of that? When people are buying tickets, it would at least make them, you know, have to put together a better card. Because uh, I got to tell you, Doug Rose versus Amanda Pibas, that might be the worst part I've ever seen on paper, in my opinion. What do you think of that? And second, since he brought that that card up, I was thinking Nikita Krylov was on that card. What the hell happened to that guy? We haven't heard anything about him for a year. Uh, and, yeah, one more comment I want to say. The war between me and AK Lee is over. Tacoma MMA is laying his weapons down, AK. My doo-doo pick was the final straw. So, anyways, thank you. <laughs> oh, that's great. I, dude, 289 wasn't terrible. What are you talking about? The main card was good. Marc-Andre Barria, Eric Anders is a thumper. Danny Gay, Nate Landor was great. Mike Malott, big moment. That was great. Oliveira, Dyson up. Benil was great. Main event wasn't, like, spectacular, but, like, Amanda had a great performance. And then she retired. It is what it is. I don't know. Like, I think people thought she might retire. But they weren't sure if she was going to or not. And I think it was, like, perfect for Amanda. Like, I don't think Amanda needs the, uh, like, the tribute videos and things of that nature. Like, her career speaks for itself. It's always been, I mean, she lost to Pena, but forever it's been up, 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 up. Like she's considered the greatest female fighter of all time. Robbie Lawler, former champion, 
gladiator, been doing this forever, ups and downs. Like the casual audience, the modern MMA fan knows who Amanda Nunes is. A lot of the join the, the fray during the pandemic, they have no idea who Robbie Lawler is. They know he fought and they think he's not that good because he lost to, I forget who it was, at 276. Who the fuck beat him? I don't remember. But it wasn't good. And then, you know, he goes in there with Nico Price and, like, has the incredible moment. Like, casual fans just have no idea who Robbie Lawler is. And maybe the... He's top three most exciting fighter of all time. His career is incredible. He is he is involved in two of the three greatest fights of all time. Carlos Condit for me is number one. Rory McDonald is in the top three for sure. And that's most people's number one. And Robbie has just been a lot around for so long. And I think one, we don't pay enough tribute to those fighters who have sort of paved the way. Robbie gets to cross over multiple generations. And I just think people forget how violent and fun Robbie was as a fighter and what he was able to accomplish. This dude just like was in the UFC. He was this young, just angry dude who just flipped out in his fights and then would lose. And then he was gone. And then he'd go, he did great things in strike force. UFC didn't seem to want him back, and then he comes back and wins and becomes the fucking welterweight champion and has two of the greatest fights of all time. I mean, come on. Come on. Love Robbie Lawler. God, he's the best. But that was a great moment. And we put that over so big as one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And I wish the UFC would do more of that, not just for that, just in general. Like, that was just fun. That was incredible. I'd love to see more of that. And the answer to your last question about the ho the Virgin Hotels thing, they don't make the same amount of money doing it there. Their production's not in-house. They have to leave the venue and hook up and do all that stuff and change everything, and they have to pay a site fee and all that stuff most of the time. Well, the Apex, they don't pay any of that shit. They just stay there and they reap all the benefits. So they get allotted a certain amount of money for each event. And then how they spend that money is how they want to spend that money. If they're doing events at the Apex, then they keep the majority of the money outside of the broadcast talent, more than likely. So, I mean, they it's a pretty damn good business deal for them to have their own place to house fights. And that's the answer to your question because they make way more money in the Apex. Even though ticket sales and all that nature, they don't have to cut out the... There's no middleman at all. It's all theirs. Pretty damn good. That was brilliant on their part from a business perspective. All right, four-hour sniper. Hey, heck of a morning. Can you hear me? Yes. All right. I know you got to go, so I'll make it quick. Two quick ones for you. Uh, Jamie Pickett, he's on a little bit of a skid. By a little bit, I mean four-fight losing streak. Do you think that they keep him around maybe for a couple more if he loses to Eric Andrews like I'm predicting? Or do you think that they'll completely cut him out of the, the UFC after that? And then the next one is uh, winner of – Shamil and uh, Jarzinho. I'm predicting, regardless who wins, winner gets Derek Lewis. Um, I guess right here I'm predicting Jarzinho, but like I said, either one I think gets Derek Lewis. What do you think about that? That's all, Mike. Heck of a morning. I mean, why? Like, I cannot believe we haven't done Derek Lewis versus Jarzinho yet. It's just see, like this is the, this is the fight everybody wants. It has like no real meritocratic significance. It's just two dudes who hit real hard. We're going to get in there and one of them's going to fall over. Like that's, it's just no, a no brainer. No, neither of these guys are in title contention. Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? So my answer, I, I think, I think ultimately you're right. I think you're right. But in my eyes, if I'm, if I got the pencil, it's, I don't give a shit what happens on Saturday. Derek Lewis versus Jarzinho is the next fight. That's the one. I don't care if Jarzinho loses in seven seconds. We still do that. I don't want to see Gadzia fight Derek Lewis. I really don't. I feel like that's like every Derek Lewis fight. He just has to fight these dudes that like aren't well-known but are still really good. 
and we just hope he comes through with like a big moment. Like that's where Derek Lewis is gone. And like, they'll just put him in fun fights, man. Like that's what we should be doing. Derek Lewis should be just in fun fights. So yeah, give me Derek Lewis versus Rosenstrike, win or lose either way. That's what I say. Uh, Barbarossa, go ahead. Your opinion, do you think the UFC risked at all for the uh, UFC 300? Because if not, we would have Justin against Islam uh, in the summer and uh, uh, Max Holloway against Tuboira in uh, Spain because who else? It's either this or the Volkanovski rematch because if they are talking Bernabeu, it's about 85,000. I don't think you can sell this out with uh, 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 Mozart or anyone like that. And my second question about uh, the fight night uh, tomorrow, do you think any one would be affected uh, with the short a time for the rehydration because the uh, the fight is earlier than usually. Thank you, Mike. No, I don't think anyone's going to really be affected. They've done this a few times, so I think these guys are, are used to it. Um, yeah, I mean, look, we talked about this earlier about 300, and they kind of booked themselves into a corner, and we see what's going on with 301 right now. And yes, yeah, so we'd love to see Islam versus Gaethje. But I don't know. I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I mean, Charles Oliveira not fighting Islam Makachev, like, screwed up everything, if we're being honest. And then they put Volk in there and all that. And now Gaethje's fighting Holloway. And yes, we'd love to see Taboria fight Max Holloway. It's a great fight. Cool. But here's what I will disagree with you with. Ilya Taboria could fight me in that stadium, and they're going to sell that place out. It doesn't matter who he fights. They're going to sell that place out. They are coming for him and only him. He could fight Mozart. He could fight me. He could fight you. They're going to sell that place out. Now, are they going to sell 85,000 tickets? I don't know. Are they going to put 85,000 tickets out there? I don't know. Could they just tarp off the upper section and just sell like 50,000 tickets? Yeah, they're going to sell it out anyways. It does not matter. First event in Spain... Ilya defending his belt, it'd be huge. Does not matter. Pay-per-view, different story. But honestly, I don't think the UFC honestly cares all that much. So you could do Ilya versus anybody. I do think it's going to be Volk. Could you do Ortega? Sure. But I think it's going to be Volk. And we'll see what happens. Give Holloway the next shot if Volk doesn't get it. If he's at least competitive against Justin Gaethje. But, like, look... Max Holloway said yes to fighting Justin Gaethje. If he goes out and gets dusted at 300, how can you reward him with the title shot? Seriously. How? Like, if he just goes out and gets kicked in the face and knocked out in the first round against Justin Gaethje, are we just like, oh, you know, we love Max. This loss doesn't matter because it didn't happen to Featherweight. What the hell are you talking about? It should matter. It should matter. Now, no one's been able to do that to Max Holloway. But if Justin is the guy to do it, how can we, we reward him with the title fight? So we have to kind of wait and see how this plays out. But I do disagree with you. I think Ilya against anybody sells that place out. Literally anybody. Uh, go ahead, MMA consultants. You will have the final word because I got to go. Uh, not connecting MMA consultant. Try bouncing out and bouncing back in. It's just not going through, my man. All right, one more time. See if we can get him in. Do we have you now, MMA consultant? I think we do. I think I'm in. I think I'm in. What's up, man? How's it going? Um, quick question. Actually, more of a thought starter. You know, there's always back and forth when it comes to the apex and, you know, crowd, you know, people wanting the crowd, which I understand. But do you feel like another angle 
for, you know, the apex and something that people aren't really talking about is with the expansion of the UFC roster, they constantly need to, you know, keep these divisions moving and need more and more events. And I feel like that aspect of the apex isn't really talked about as much. No, I'm with like, and look, I'm with you on that. I like would mind it less if you just made the, if there was just energy to it. Like, I understand the need for these cards. They have no choice. They are contractually obligated to give out 43 to 45 fight nights or 43 to 45 events every year. That is their deal with the SBN. They have to do it. And the Apex has been a home for it. But from a viewing perspective, us watching at home, knowing the UFC, UFC is going to be on television every Saturday, and those of us who watch every single second of every single fight on every single Saturday, it's tough, man. Like, just think about Mexico City. That crowd was electric. They were on fire. And now we're going to go from that to the apex where it's just going to be like, you're going to hear the foot, all the movement in the cage, the bouncing up and down. You'll hear an occasional coach instruction. You'll hear six claps. You'll hear Joe Martinez say, make some noise if you are ready. And seven people whisper to each other while burping after chugging a beer. Like, that's what you hear. And honestly, if there's more of that, I think it'd be a little more exciting and give us more to talk about. The problem is there's just no energy in those events. It sucks the life out of you, especially when it's like a 15-fight card and like the first four, six fights go to decisions and they're not good. It's just tough, like, when you have a bad card and no energy. That's what I'm saying. Like, they've been taught, like, Dana's talked about putting seats in that building. Putting, like, a, you know, a thousand seats in there. So they can not only, like, make the fight night experience better, but they want to be able to be in a position where they can host events there. Like, outside of the UFC. People will pay them to use the site. Probably like on the Fight Pass banner. Like, just think how cool it would be, like, from a business perspective for the UFC. International Fight Week. You know you're going to be at T Mobile. You know you're going to be there. Yes, you're going to do Media Day and inside the, the world's most famous Apex. But if you are working with the UFC, if you're like a, a Cage Warriors or LFA or something like that. Like what a perfect time to like introduce yourself to the MMA community than hosting a Thursday night event at the apex and selling a thousand tickets to it. Like that's what I think international fight week should be. It shouldn't just be a UFC thing. It should be an MMA thing. It's international fight week. It should be like wrestle. This is what WrestleMania should be. You go to WrestleMania. Yeah. You're going to WrestleMania. But you go for the rest of the week's festivities. Every organization on the planet that has any sort of buzz is hosting a show somewhere within 20 miles of where WrestleMania is happening. Fans have other things to go to. Fans can be like, oh, I've never been to this, you know, Northeast wrestling show. But look, they get some pretty cool names on it. This is a wrestling week. Let's go and see Northeast wrestling. And then they go and they're like, holy shit, this is great. And now they have new fans and they could do the same here. Bring LFA in there. They can sell tickets. And guess who makes money off of that? UFC will make money off that because it's their freaking building. Cage Warriors. Even invite Invicta back for an event. Like something like that. Use that building for that week. Like if you're not using it, put somebody else in there. You know what I mean? But they're going to end up using it for Power Slap or something. And that like that's not what MMA fans want. They want to watch MMA events. You know what I mean? Like the power slap experience, I think would be like, honestly a fun go-to because you never know who's going to show up. Oh, is Tom Brady going to show up? Who's going to show up to this thing? But when you go to international fight week, you're like, God, I hope I get tickets for power slap. You're thinking, no, like what other MMA things can we do? You can go to the fan X, which is cool, but like, it's a three day thing. If you go one day, like, why would you want to go back again? It should turn into just a destination for the sport, celebrating the sport, the growth of the sport, where we are today. And I don't blame the UFC for this. I blame all the other promotions for this. 
God knows I don't give PFL a lot of props. PFL hosting a card that week, I think it's the day before 300. They're doing, I think it's the, the day before 300, they're doing an event in Las Vegas. Absolutely brilliant. Tremendously brilliant. That's what you should be doing. And that's what every other promotion should be doing too. If I'm a BKFC, if I'm a game bred bare knuckle, I'm getting licensed in Las Vegas. And I'm putting on an event that Friday or that Thursday in Vegas. Because people are going to go to it. And on top of that, you're going to get media going to your events that typically wouldn't go to your events. Can you imagine that? Like PFL is going to have so many media, extra media members. Karate Combat doing that card in December in Vegas was fucking brilliant. We were there. Junkie was there. All the major outlets went. Because they were there. It's just so smart to do that. And I think be a really, just a really cool experience. I think it would just enhance the entire International Fight Week thing. So there we go. All right, everybody, we're done. Thank you all very much. Uh, preview show, 1 p.m. Eastern on the YouTube channel. Uh, I don't even know who's on it. I know I'm going to be there. Broadcasting from somewhere. Maybe I'll be outside again. Who knows? The weather stays nice. Maybe we'll do it outside. Uh, be myself, Jed, and AK. That's the preview show. Casey will obviously hop in. And then uh, People's Free Fight Show tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern. And then we'll have the uh, the post-fight show as well. But it's going to be a busy weekend, everybody. So I hope you all enjoy it. And then once this Vegas 87 event comes to a close, ladies and gentlemen, we are on to UFC 299. And it's going to get real exciting. So thank you all very much. Appreciate your patience. And we'll be back here on Tuesday. So have a great rest of your Friday and have a heck of a morning. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.